0: put that anywhere. Uh good morning everybody. It's uh, really good to see you all as we have um gathered together this morning to worship. Um uh some of you may know, I don't I don't know all of you here, so this is kind of cool. <laughs> uh my name is Jeremy. I'm one of the uh, pastors and elders here. Uh, I've just returned from a three-month sabbatical, uh, and so there are many of you I've not met before or even seen before, so it's really good to see you and and hopefully get to meet you um, soon and get to know you a bit, and um, for those of you who I do know, I really missed you guys a lot, I mean that, and um, my wife and I are very thankful for the gift of a three-month sabbatical. It was uh, very good for my soul personally and for our our souls uh, as, a, as a married couple and for our family. And so we can't thank you enough. It was a gracious gift from uh, this church to spare us for about 13 weeks, I think it was. And uh, God taught us a lot in that, and I look forward to sharing that with you over the coming months, uh, starting today. Uh, if you have a Bible, I would ask that you turn to Matthew chapter 11. And we'll be at the end of chapter 11 going into chapter 12 today. I want to want to talk with you about uh, resting in Christ. Um, the point of the sabbatical uh, for us is um, after being uh, part of this church full-time uh, in ministry for nine years was to have a time of rest, recalibration, and then re-entry into ministry. So I want to, I guess, tie into that a little bit, um, tie that into to the sermon today uh, based on what I learned through Scripture uh, by God's Holy Spirit about what it means to really rest in Christ, because resting is a lot harder uh, than I realized, and I think it's probably harder than maybe you realize as well. So, uh, as you turn to Matthew 11, um, let me pray, and then we'll we'll dive in. Father God in heaven, thank you for this morning. I got a time to gather with your people as your people, Lord, for the joy it is to worship you through singing, singing together. And, um, and being together in fellowship, God, to worship you through the reading and proclamation of your word and through prayer. And, and as uh, we will through communion uh, later in giving and giving and more fellowship. God, I pray that you would encourage our hearts this morning. God, that by your Holy Spirit you, can, you would convict us of sin and brokenness. God, that you would uh, saturate us with your grace through your word by your spirit. And, and Lord, that we would uh, walk away as changed people um, not only personally, but together as a community of faith called Redemption Church. God, we give you this time and pray that you use it for your glory and our joy and that the gospel would advance to the nations. We ask in Christ Jesus' holy name. Amen. Look with me, if you will, at Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 and 29. Jesus says this, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is God's word for us. Friends, resting in Christ is an act of grace from God to his people for his glory and our joy and for gospel advancement. And this is really good news for us today. When I say rest, what comes to mind? If I just say, hey, I hope you get some rest. For some of you, it may be like laying in a hammock listening uh, to a stream of water. For others of you, it may mean, you know, laying on the couch and binge watching Netflix. Uh, For some of you, it may mean going and doing some activity that's a lot of fun like Ultimate Frisbee or paintball or something. For others of you, it may mean being alone. And rest in our culture and day and age today is a lot harder, I think, to have gospel rest than we realize. Because sometimes I think there's one of two things, one of two dangers when it comes to rest. Often we think that rest can be something that uh, we we do in our own strength to like we're going to go and we're going to go rest. And then we end up doing a lot of busy things and ended up exhausting ourselves and then we find that we've not had any rest at all. If you have... Children, you know that a vacation is is very rarely restful. It's a lot of fun, but then you come home and you just need like a day or two to rest from the vacation. Or sometimes we think that rest means doing absolutely nothing at all. That's what I thought rest was. In fact, if you're familiar with the great movie from 1999, and let me just say there was an article in relevant magazine about why pastors should not use 90s films as sermon illustrations, And that is the most heretical thing I've ever heard. So today, we're dropping a 1999 movie reference, Office Space. And if you know the movie, uh, this guy just decides he's just not going to go to work anymore. He's not going to quit. He's just not going to go. And he tells one of his friends, he says, you know, I did nothing today. And it was everything I thought it could be. And, you know, often we think that's what rest is. It's like, I'm just going to do nothing and it's everything I thought it could be. But you know, that can be leisurely, but at the end of the day, it's really not restful. I mean, it's okay to do nothing and to have leisure time doing nothing, and it's okay to have leisure time doing a lot of fun activities. In fact, I would encourage you to do both of those things. I would encourage you to carve out time in your life to do nothing leisurely, and to carve out time in your life to do a lot of fun stuff leisurely. But I also want us to learn what rest truly is in light of the gospel. Because you can do nothing and be unrestful. And then you can do a lot of things and be unrestful. What I want us to see is those two things are fine, but I also want us to see what it means to be restful. As I have prayed and studied and tried to figure out what rest is, because over the past 13 weeks I tried to rest and I found myself doing nothing on some days, and I just could not rest. I was stir-crazy, and my mind was going a thousand different places, and my heart was going a thousand different places. And then other times, I found myself doing a lot of fun activities, hobbies and stuff that I enjoyed doing, but I also was still restless in my heart. And as I prayed and searched Scripture, I was led to this verse. And then if you know anything about Scripture, you know you can't just like pick out one or two verses, but you have to see what happens right before those verses, and you have to look and see what happens right after the verses and kind of see the context in which those verses happen. And so I looked at this verse when Jesus says, come to me, all who who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So what I want us to see today is just five observations about rest in Christ that I just want to tell you because it's something that God taught me and hopefully it'll be encouraging for you when we can see how we can actively rest together in Christ as a community of believers together okay the first thing I want us to see is this and I want us to engage our hearts a little bit and just figure out where do you think of as rest as rest one of the two dangers we have is rest is doing a lot of things even spiritual things for God I'm going to do these things or sometimes we think rest is doing nothing at all like the people that say, well, I belong to Jesus, so I'm just going to lay on the couch and wait for the bus of heaven to come pick me up, you know? But I want us to see what gospel rest is. Okay, the first is this. The first observation made is this, is rest in Christ is a gift of grace in God's sovereignty. Okay? Rest in Christ is a gift of grace to us in the sovereignty of God. Look at verse 25. We're going to back up a little bit. At this time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son. And anyone to whom the son chooses to reveal him. And then he continues to say come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden I will give you rest. So I want us to see the first and foremost when we talk about rest in Christ. It is a gift of grace from God and his sovereignty. This means that. Sovereignty of God means that God is maker of heaven and earth, that God is ruler of heaven and earth, that Christ is king of the universe. If you know scripture, you know that Jesus was present and active in the creation of everything in Genesis chapter 1. And that scripture reminds us over and over again that Jesus is ruler of all, that everywhere that Jesus walked, everywhere his foot touched was him making a proclamation of of Him owning his creation, and then when Jesus comes to live life on earth as a man, he was coming to redeem his children from sin and Satan and death and brokenness, that Jesus, in the sovereign will of God, is the king and ruler of all. And so when Jesus says, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, he's praying to God the Father, saying, God, you are Lord of heaven and earth. You own heaven, you own earth that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to the children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. God the Father is sovereign. God the Father is gracious. And then Jesus says, All things have been handed over to me by my Father. And so when Jesus calls us to enter into his rest, he is calling us as a sovereign king of the universe. He is calling us with all the authority of God the Father. He is calling us with such grace. A call of resting in Christ is a gift of grace in the sovereignty of God. And this is hard for us to grasp because it's hard for us when we can't rest, when we cannot find in our hearts a a place to just rest in Christ. It often comes because we think we are sovereign. You know how hard it is for a pastor, I'm just speaking from personal experience, you know how hard it is for a pastor who's been full-time for nine years to say, I'm just going to totally disengage from the church for 13 weeks. That's like utter panic. All kind of control issues come to light in your heart and soul to think, well, what if people leave? What? Here here is my big fear, I'll just be honest with you guys, what if more people come? And it's like the church is awesome because I left. <laughs> Ow, that hurts a little bit, you know? What if this? What if that? You know, that we have a hard time resting because we often think we are sovereign over our own lives, whether it be relationships and family or friends, whether it be career advancement or schooling struggles or our our money is a big one. We freak out about where our money is going or where it's coming from or or how we manage it. We often think, well, this this is my stuff, my money, but we forget that, Sovereignly, God owns all of our stuff and our time even is in his hands. And so if we have a hard, a hard time resting in Christ, it's because we think we are sovereign. Or maybe we don't think God is gracious. Maybe we think, well, you know, I have to do this thing because what if God doesn't deliver? What if God doesn't really go before me in this career I'm pursuing? Or what if he doesn't go before me in this school education that I'm pursuing? Or what if I work hard and the money just doesn't come in? What if, what if, what if? See, if you were restless like I was, it's probably because you think you are sovereign or you do not think the Lord is gracious. Right? And Jesus reminds us right here, he thanks the Father, Lord of heaven and earth, and says, all things have been handed over to me by the Father. And he thanks God the Father for his gracious will. So friends, I want to invite you to rest in Christ because rest from Christ, In Christ is a gift of grace from God and His sovereignty. There's this great story. I read this great book called The Rest of God by Mark Buchanan. Great book. I recommend it for uh, anybody. But he writes this story about uh, Martin Luther the Reformer and his colleague Philip Melanchthon, and they are hanging out one day. And Philip turns to Martin Luther and says, Today you and I shall discuss the governance of the universe. And Martin Luther looks at him and says, no, today you and I shall go fishing and leave the governance of the universe to God. That is such an attitude of rest, right? say, so you know what? God's got this. Let's go fishing together. One thing that occurred to me as I pray and read and try to figure out how to rest and you know... R- Resting and recalibrating and then re-entering back into ministry, something occurred to me is that if God isn't in something, there's nothing you can do to make it happen. And if God is in it, there is nothing that anyone can do to stop it. This applies to your marriage, your family, your career, your ministry. It applies to this church. As we step back in, as me and my family step back into this season of ministry at Redemption Church this spring, and we pray and get excited with the other elders and missional community leaders and those of you who are leading great things, whether it be missions to Uganda or service in the neighborhoods that you live in and serving in missional communities, you know, it's just if God isn't in something, there's nothing you can do to, like, conjure his work up but if God is in it there's nothing that anyone can do to stop it and that excites me that that the Lord is up to something in you and through you he's up to something in us and through us as a church and that I think God is stirring up the hearts of believers and propelling us out with gospel mission and there's nothing that anyone can do to stop it and that's exciting it's not arrogant it's resting in Christ knowing that God is sovereign and that God is gracious right Here's the second thing I learned about resting in Christ. First, that it's a gift of grace and God's sovereignty, but secondly, that resting in Christ is how we know God the Father. You ever think about that? If you want to know God the Father, it's not uh, striving in your own way to like, make yourself better and presentable to God the Father or doing some spiritual rigmarole to get to God, but rather resting in Christ is actually how we know the Father. Look at verse 27. Jesus says, all things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Anyone who the Son chooses to reveal the Father. If you want to know God the Father, you rest in Jesus Christ to get to know God the Father. You, You can't religiosize yourself you can't over-spiritualize yourself. You can't over-humanitarian aid yourself. You can't do any awesome thing to clean up yourself to get to know the Father. You can't go one of many roads. You can't take one of many waves to the same shore. Scripture, Jesus himself says, No one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. If you want to know God the Father, you've got to come through Jesus the Son. You've got to rest in Christ. It's an active trusting of who jesus is and what he's done if you want to know god the father you got to rest in christ in fact jesus said in john 14 6 i am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me we clear see rest is a gracious gift of god in his sovereignty resting in christ is how we know the father I'm assuming that since you were at a church this morning, you want to know God better, right? I know I do. Thirdly, resting in Christ is how we grow in Christ-likeness. Now, I know you're probably thinking, well, you're, you're, you're describing something with two words. If you want to be like Christ, you've got to know Christ. Duh. But no, here's what I'm, what I'm saying. Listen to me. Resting in Christ is how we grow in Christ-likeness. If you want to grow to be more like Jesus, you have to rest in who Christ is and what he's done. You have to trust in who Christ is and what he's done. It's easy for us to look and say, well, I want to grow to be like Jesus, so let me write down the 10 ways I can copy Jesus. 10 leadership lessons from Jesus or whatever. And that is not how you grow in Christ likeness. That's how you can, you know, be a poser, or that's how you can maybe copy Christ-ish things. But if you want to grow in character, if you want to have a shaped heart and a shaped mind to be like Jesus, you have to rest in Christ. Look at verse 29. Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. You see, Jesus puts together here in verse 28, he he gives the commands to come to me, take my yoke upon you, learn from me, and then you will find rest for your souls. You will not find rest for your souls if you don't come to Jesus. You won't find rest if you do not take upon you his yoke. You will not find rest if you don't learn from me. But also, you cannot come to Jesus and take his yoke and learn from him if you are not resting all of those things are together in the words of jesus and often we'll say well you know i'm i want to grow to be like jesus so i'm going to do the things jesus did or even say and teach the things jesus said and, and we'll find ourselves building these very strict religious structures that do not engage the heart and mind toward gracious rest and the sovereignty of the father has that happened to you It's happened to me in my experience. I'm not blaming any church or ministry. I'm just blaming the default mode of my human heart, which may be the default mode of your human heart. And that's to say, I want to know God the Father, and I want to be like Jesus, so I'm going to burn all of my punk rock CDs. (laughs) Amen. I have spent a fortune buying back those CDs. After I burned them, I'm like, oh, how is this a stewardship issue? No effects, Pennywise. Oh, my heart breaks. (laughs) You see... We cannot grow in Christ-likeness apart from resting in Christ. It is not a checklist of do's and don'ts. It is not copying Jesus' things in your own strength. In fact, somebody coined the phrase, uh, or here it says, uh, when Jesus says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, that word heavy laden literally connotes spiritual anxiety. Have you ever thought about that? When Jesus says, come to me, it all who labor and are heavy laden, and you will find rest. I will give you rest, is what he says. Do you have spiritual anxiety? Can I just tell you guys that when I was 23 years old, one, one, there were many motivations, but one of the motivations for my going to seminary, of all places, was I, I was in an utter panic that because I had some checkered issues in my past after I had become a Christian and been baptized I thought I had like lost my salvation and that God would never ever be pleased with me right and so I go to seminary to try to figure this out and take a class on uh, apostasy which is just you know (laughs) (laughs) which is important and there's biblical doctrine to talk about but What a downer. (laughs) But let me tell you something. I, I, like many of you, maybe are laboring for your faith, and you are heavy laden, and you need rest. And let me tell you, if you want to grow in likeness, you have to rest in Christ. You have to trust who he is and what he's done on your behalf. Because that ties into the next point. These two could have been one point. So number three is resting in Christ is how we grow in Christ-likeness. And number four is resting in Christ is how we worship. And let me read this to you. Uh, We're getting into chapter 12 now, just a couple verses. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. Sabbath was a time designated for rest in that culture of the day. He went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. And when the Pharisees, those were the uh, religious elite of the day, they weren't bad guys like we think, they were actually really good guys, very smart, very uh, religious. When the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. He said to them, Have you not read that when David, what David did when he was hungry? And those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which was not lawful for him to eat, nor those who were with him to, to eat, but only the priests? Or have you not read the law on how the Sabbath of the priests went into the temple, profaned the Sabbath, and are guiltless? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Okay, there's a whole pile of awesome gospelness in this. Uh, Jesus is saying, hey, look, uh, in verse 6, you know, something greater than the temple is here. Jesus is God incarnate. John says that that Jesus is, is God tabernacling, is like dwelling with us. So, you know, you think God dwells in the temple. God is dwelling in Christ. He is here with you. He starts quoting Old Testament. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. The Son of Man is is how he designates himself. The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. He is Lord over rest. So many huge, awesome things here. But this is what I want us to see. See, resting in Christ is how we grow in Christ-likeness, but resting in Christ is how we worship. You see, Jesus is not just who we worship. Jesus is also how we worship. Jesus is not only who we worship, but he's how we worship. What happens here is the Pharisees were religious scholars. They were good men. They did the religious things to the letter. And they say, Jesus, you can't break the laws of Sabbath rest. You can't be you know, picking food and eating it when you're supposed to be resting in God today. See, the Pharisees had religious convictions that were actually interfering with their communion with God. Do you have religious convictions that interfere with your communion with God? I have. I have had issues (laughs) with religious convictions that I'm not sure were gospel convictions. I had convictions about religious matters that actually interfered with my worship of God and my growing in Christ-likeness. Assess your religious convictions. Do they actually aid in your communion with God the Father? Or do they hinder your relationship with God the Father? What we see here is the Pharisees, who were very religious good guys, were having a hard time relating to God the Father in worship because they were too worried about the system that was meant to aid them in worship but ended up had becoming um, a hindrance. Did you know also, I know mean, this always happens. I'll have five points and then rethink it in the middle of a second. I could have made it three. But it's always Three. See, in the same way, their religious convictions were interfering with their community with each other. You see that here, too? They were worried, or they were like, hey, Jesus, this isn't right what you and your disciples are doing. And and, and rather than engaging in, like, a brotherly fellowship and worship together, there was a disconnect there. Have you ever had religious convictions that maybe have interfered with your relationship with other believers, I'm not talking about like stuff we should have, we should have hard stances on some things, you know, there's a lot of things regarding violence and poverty and sexual ethics that we should have very clear convictions on that are fueled by the Bible, but there are some tertiary issues that are not that important, but yet, you know, for instance, are you allowed to use a 90s movie sermon illustration? go on Facebook and you will see a very spirited discussion that I just could not resist being a part of yesterday. And I'm like, really? We're going to break fellowship because I drop office space in a sermon illustration? Okay. Whatevs. You can watch the edited version. It's still funny. Just not as much. But (laughs) do you have spiritual convictions that interfere with your communion with God? And do you have spiritual convictions, or religious convictions, rather, that interfere with your communion with others? We all do. I'll just go ahead and tell you that. The good news is that if we rest in Christ, we can, number one, it's a gift of grace and the sovereignty of God. Number two, resting in Christ is how we know God the Father, and commune with Him and worship Him. Thirdly, resting in Christ is how we grow in likeness. Fourth, resting in Christ is not only who we worship, but how we worship and number five, rest, and finally, and you can just sum up these points and rewrite the sermon, and then you can preach it, and it'll be great. But number five, resting in Christ is how we serve others. It's how we truly serve others. This ties into the Christ-likeness point. You can do jesus things, but with the wrong motivation, the wrong attitude, and I'm convinced that in the long run, eternally, it can actually do more damage than good. You can go out there and hand out sandwiches to homeless people. You can go out there and help rebuild houses and neighborhoods. You can go out there and do lots of good things. But with the bad attitude, bad motivation that's apart from Christ, if you're not resting in Jesus and his sovereignty and his grace, if you're not resting while you do that, you can find yourself being a bitter pain in the tail and spreading a lot of bitterness rather than gospel, joy, love, peace, hope. Jesus things. I don't want to split hairs here, but I want us to really focus in on our motivations and heart attitudes. If you were approaching doing good things with a restless heart, it may not be good for you or the people you're trying to serve. If you were doing things with a heart that is resting in Christ, it can have such a huge impact for the kingdom of God. If you were here last week, we heard a uh, guy talk about missions with the Christian and Missionary Alliance. I would encourage you to podcast that I think it got recorded if you weren't here it's really amazing to hear about what God is doing globally and how he's doing it and I think God is advancing his kingdom through people who are resting in Christ see what Jesus does next after the Pharisees question him I mean Jesus is teaching come to me all who labor and are heavy laden I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I am gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls. The Pharisees question him about what they are doing and reveal their broken relationship between them and God and them and each other. And Jesus says, hey, look, he quotes some Old Testament, says, I'm Jesus, <laughs> the son of man is Lord of the Sabbath. And then look at verse nine. He went on from there, entered the synagogue, which is where lots of, uh, What they had as their Bible, the Old Testament teaching was going on. A man was there with a withered hand. They asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him? And he said to them, which one of you has a sheep if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath? Will you not hold, um, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then they said to the man, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And then the man stretched it out and it was restored healthy like the other. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy him. What we see here is Jesus, when we rest in Christ, that is how we truly serve others. The Sabbath is made for man to show mercy to other men. Something I read said that. Sabbath is made for man to show mercy to other men. Doing good things With wrong motivations is destructive. Doing gospel things with gospel motivations is amazing. Gospel intentionality. Jesus walks into a building where they were studying the scriptures of God, yet neglecting to serve this man who needed help. And Jesus right then and there did something quite miraculous, but was not only to teach people this, but to show what happens when people rest in Christ. Not resting in religious convictions, but rather resting in the person and work of Jesus so what does that mean for you and I today? I'm going to kind of rope it in, and I want us to all assess the condition of our heart. Are you, do you have a restless heart? Do you, do you try to uh, strive to do things, even good things for God, but you're striving with a heart that is motivated by fear or pride? If you have a restless heart doing good things out of fear and pride, I want to invite you to rest in Christ. If you have a restless heart that is, is just tired, maybe you're like, I'm trying to rest because, man, I'm whooped. Life is hard right now. Maybe things are stressful uh, with your marriage or family or financially, or maybe there's stuff going on in your job or your neighborhood, and you're like, man, I just can't rest. I want to do, I just, I'm trying to do nothing, and I still have a restless heart. I want to invite you to rest in Christ. I want to invite you to look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, and recognize that rest is a gift of grace from a gracious Father who loves you, a sovereign Father who rules the universe and is looking out for your good, for his glory. I want to invite you to rest in Christ so that you can know this God and Father who loves you and is seeking your good. I want to invite you to rest in Christ so that you will grow in Christ's likeness with your attitude and your character, and not just what what you do, but how and why you do it. I want to invite you to rest in Christ so that you can grow in worshiping God truly in spirit and in truth. I want to invite you to rest in Christ so that we can have such impact serving each other. Here as believers, but also the communities in which you live, the places where you work, the schools you attend. I think God could do amazing things. So here's the invitation I have for all of us. I want us to heed the words of Jesus. To come, take, and learn so that we may find rest. To come to Jesus, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Come, take, learn, and receive the rest in Christ. If you're here today and you were. A believer, I invite you to join me in doing that because our heart's default mode is restlessness. or seeking rest apart from God. And I want to invite you to repent of the sin of fear and pride and to turn to Christ and rest, to trust who he is and what he's done for you, your good and his glory. To repent of sin means to turn away and to turn to Christ. If you are a believer, I want to invite you to repent of those uh, idols uh, continually with me. If you are not a believer, I want to invite you for the first time to come to Jesus so that you can know God the Father who loves you. To come to Jesus, to take his yoke upon you and learn from him. And if you are not a believer, we want to help, help you do that. So come grab me or one of the leaders here that you maybe know or a friend that you came with and, and let us talk you through what that means, what the rest resting in Christ means, because uh, that's why we're here. And doesn't matter where you are in your journey of faith, whether you are a new believer, a veteran believer, a not yet believer. If you have questions, just come talk to us uh, because we want to rest in Christ together. And um, two more things, uh, just as a quick note, uh, to help you uh, in that process in your bulletin, you'll see a couple. Uh, reflection questions. I would just that's, those are meant to aid you in meditating on the scripture. So I would encourage you to reread the scripture from today and meditate on those questions, as well. Uh, and now we're going to have a time of response, like we do every every Sunday. A time for us to uh, reflect on what you've heard. I would encourage you to uh, pray to sing along with the worship team. If you're a believer, we invite you to come forward and participate in communion. Uh, You take off the bread, tear it, and then dip it in the wine or the juice. The bread represents the body of Christ that was broken for you, and the wine and juice represents the blood of Christ that was shed for the forgiveness of your sins. Um, In so doing, we remember who Jesus is, and we proclaim this gospel news to each other. And so I want to invite you as an act of resting in Christ, to come participate in this also if you were part of redemption there's a way that we can um worship through giving there's a giving basket in the back as well let me pray Uh, father god thank you for this morning uh, lord a time to gather again with your people and as your people god i pray uh, that over the next few minutes your spirit would be at work in our hearts and minds that you would um, convict us of restlessness whether it be from fear or pride that you would convict us from restlessness maybe that comes from sin or brokenness and God, that we would repent, that we would turn from that and turn to you, Jesus, that we would uh, obey your words to come, uh, take, and learn, that you would grow us as your people uh, because, God, you are a gracious Father, a sovereign Father uh, who loves your people. So, God, I pray that by your Spirit, through Christ, you would grow us to know you, to worship you, uh, to grow in Christ-likeness, so that we may serve you and serve one another uh, with gracious motivations for your glory and our good thank you for this time and pray you use it for your good uh, for your glory and our good and the advancement of the gospel to the nations we do ask in christ